Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports-Podcast for August 8th. My name is Eric, the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Yes, I'm finally posting TikTok videos, I know, and they are awesome. TikTok is by far the best app ever, and I love it. How is everybody doing? Are we enjoying sports being back? Oh my God, we have NHL, and the NHL, by far, out of everything, is doing a great job. I mean, their product is great. NBA is great. Games have been great. Um, Everything has been great. MLB, obviously, there's been some hiccups, but in terms of NHL and NBA, Great product, great stuff going on. I love what I'm seeing. Um, unfortunately, there has been some injuries, and when I talked with Gino Bacala, um, him and I did talk about my fear of injuries. We did see Jonathan Isaacs, who had a terrible ACL injury, and you know, myself and everyone that does stuff from ETOF21 Sports, we wish him nothing but the best. Um, I really feel that anyone that is grateful he got hurt is a piece of shit. I mean, that is when someone gets injured, you can't be grateful that someone got injured. I had my basketball aspirations shot down because of an injury. And it is awful if you are cheering that he got hurt just because he made a decision of what to do. Now, if I had the decision, I would have kneeled. But you can't look at Isaacs and wish him ill well. That's to in my mind, that's just not the right play. Um, Jackson from the Grizzlies, another guy that went down with meniscus. Um, Grizzlies, Jesus, they just can't get healthy. I wouldn't be surprised if they drop out of the eighth seed and it's it's the Blazers and Spurs battling out for the uh, whoever gets to play the Lakers. Um, speaking of the NBA, I'm actually going to be recording next week with uh, Gino Bacala and talking some NBA, not really sure we're going to do that. Next week is going to be a little helter-skelter for me, if that makes sense to everybody. Um, I have to go home, and, you know, when I go home, parents are loud, nephews are going to be there, they're loud, sister's going to be there, they're loud. I just got to do I, do my stuff with the, to help out, you know, my family. So I really don't know when I'm going to be able to record and how much I'm going to be able to post, but I will do my best. Um, so, yeah, that's what stuff's going on. NBA restart's been great. NHL restart's been great. MLB's been great. We got UFC tonight. I got a deep UFC card. One NBA play. We're on the Mavericks. I haven't posted yet, but we're definitely going to be on the Rays. Uh, we're going to be fading Cole. So, yeah, I, I really like today's action. You know, make sure you're checking out my plays on everything. Um, one real quick thing before we um, dive into the NFC West with Sterling, who's coming on today to talk about it. I just want to talk about the MLB. Um, Okay, these guys are electing to go out to different places. So they're electing to go to casinos, electing to go to strip clubs. And in my mind, that's a selfish fucking act. I mean, don't get me wrong, I want to do those places. I part-time coach kids, okay? So... If I put myself in danger, in a danger, if I go out to a bar, go to a casino, go to a tip bar, I could get stuff and I could pass it on to them. 
So me being me is electing not to do that. And you have these multimillionaires that are making $25 million a, a, a year and being so fucking selfish in doing that. To me, that fucking speaks volumes. Manfield, and don't get me wrong, Manfield by far is the worst GM in when GM, worst commissioner in sports. He needs to do something so this shit stops. He needs to pick up and fucking do something. Now, with that being said, what will he do? What could he do? I feel that he needs to implement, hey, you're allowed to go A and B. Game, hotel, that and travel with the team. If you differentiate, you're suspended. And that affects the player's money. And if one thing's been shown by this whole thing, it's been money. The players want their money. The owners want their money. And with players continually being selfish, something has to be done. I mean, it, I wouldn't be surprised if they do a bubble for the playoffs. I mean, I really think they should do a bubble for the playoffs. Have the AL team one place, NL team the other place. I mean, you're looking here. I mean, right now the Blazers are playing the uh, Clippers. They're able to do multiple games in Orlando. They're able to do multiple soccer games in Orlando. So I say ship them down to Orlando, have them play down there. Different stadiums, alternate back and forth for the playoffs. To me, that's a no-brainer that needs to be done. So, But anyway, today, as we always do, um, Sterling's coming on, and we're going to talk a little AFC West. All right, so we want to welcome Sterling from Silver Star Sports back. We're continuing our breakdown of the NFL division by division. Today we're going to talk about the NFC West. Sterling, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, NBA's back. Uh, Champions League, my man city. They advanced, so I'm doing pretty good. Okay, all right. I mean, have you been watching any of the MLS? Because I already ordered an Orlando soccer club shirt with how much <laughs> money they've won me. I am an Orlando City fan, and I know they're doing pretty well as of late, but no, I haven't been watching. I mean, actually. big match against the Portland Timbers coming up, at, I think, I think Tuesday. In, yeah. fa- in fact, I altered my travel plans to visit my parents just so I could be home to watch an MLS Cup final. That's how much invested oh, I am. Oh, okay. Wow, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's great. I mean, Champions League's back. What, what have you thought about the whole bubble with the NBA? I thought it's been a massive success so far, seeing their testing numbers and uh, how smoothly everything's running. I'm excited. You know, I wish other sports could do the same, but I know it's much harder between football and baseball and all those different cities, you know? I mean, and Pelicans, Grizz are falling. Mello and the Blazers are balling out. I mean, it's been great, man. Like, I, I, I love the NBA, but... Uh, We'll talk. We'll talk some hoops some other time. Let's uh, let's dive into the old NFC West, which is one of the conferences that's getting a lot of buzz. We're going to start with the Los Angeles Rams, who are of course moving to that new stadium this year. Their over under of wins is seven and a half. They are five to one to win the West, sixteen to one to win the NFC, and thirty three to one to win the Super Bowl. Offensively. They finished 11th in total offense, 4th in passing, and 26th in rushing offense. Defensively, they were 17th in total, 
12th in passing and 19th in rushing. What do you think of these Los Angeles Rams? They've been trying to hold on to that Super Bowl window, you know, and prolong it. But just their messy cap situation has really made it really difficult. Um, they paid Jared Goff all that money. And my thoughts on Goff are he's just the – if system quarterback was a person, it would be Jared Goff. Like, I just think he's so average and doesn't really elevate the team. He just plays to what his system is, which is why he's produced well in the Sean McVay offense. But uh, he's an average quarterback. So, overall, I think this team – uh, I think they're going to be okay, but not anything to write home about. They have just too much talent to not compete for a playoff spot, but they're not bad enough to be one of the top 10, 15 picks or so. Um, when I look at their roster and look at this division, I think they're going to have the weakest quarterback in the division, and they're also going to have the weakest running game in the division. But I still think Sean McVay will um, scheme up enough good offense that they'll be respectable and in the upper half of the league. But I think they got rid of Wade Phillips as a defensive coordinator, so I think they're going to be better because he would run a lot of complex blitzes and um, try to be too fancy, and I think they're going to benefit from having a new simplified defense. Um, But overall, when I look at the schedule, they've got the fifth hardest schedule with the ESPN-FBI ranking and a lot of East Coast trips, so I think it will be a difficult season for them in general so i have them going seven and nine that's funny i have them going seven and nine too um but they are opening up that new stadium you mentioned wade phillips and this is just a personal thing the funny thing for me that all my friends always point out is wade phillips and my dad look exactly alike so um but it is the big thing is how the how is the defense gonna look with no more wade phillips and I just really feel their linebacking core as a group is really lacking talent. Um, they lost a lot, really didn't add anything in the draft, or they really can't in free agency. So I really feel that's going to be a weakness of the defense. Um, and who's the kicker going to be? No more Greg the Leg, as he's in uh, Dallas now, I believe. And that's an open comp. And you kind of hit in the head with Goff. Like, is he going to step? Is he going to. What, what is his next step in his progression? Is he going to take a next step at all? When I look at quarterbacks, I put him in three tiers. There's tier one that elevates him, elevates the people around him. Tier two that can win, but they need help. And tier three, I just think, are replaceable. For me, Goff is a tier two guy. What what tier would he be in for you? What did you say tier two was again? How tier two that? is like you can win, but you need pieces around you. Uh, yeah, he's tier two. Um, but I also, I'll just go ahead and spoil it. My bold prediction for them is they draft a quarterback around one next year. Ooh. And specifically, I have them drafting Justin Fields, oh. which I know may come as a surprise to most of your listeners just because he's looked at as this top prospect. But I think for him specifically, like at Ohio State, he's running like a seven-on-seven drill, basically, like Tua was doing. And... um He's got to develop a lot as a prospect. And I think in these um, games this year, we'll see that he's got a long way to come. So he'll fall back later towards the middle of the first round, which I, is where I expect the Rams to be picking. So Justin Fields. 
Okay. And then um, you talked about their offense and everything. For me, I really feel that their O-line just never um, recovered from the loss of Roger Scaffold to the Titans last year. Um, Whitworth, he's showing his age. They made no key additions to the group. I, Sean McVay is definitely going to have to scheme something for the lack of talent up front just just to make it work. And also, are they going to run eleven? Or are they going to run twelve? You know, are they going to? You know, what what's the personnel set that they're going to run? It's like he's got to decide what they're going to do. Three wide receivers, two tight ends. What what are you going to run? Um, I just have a lot of questions about these team, and you hit it in the head with how they structured and how they played players. They just are really capped, and I think they're, I think their window is closed, and they're on the decline, same as you. Um, my bold prediction was they missed the playoffs again, and the questions about McVay start coming, and he's on the hot seat going into next year. That is a bold prediction. That is really bold. Um, my my bust is. Um, the football nerd Cooper Cup. I just feel that they drafted the kid from Florida to be his replacement, even though this because this is a contract year for him, and they um, obviously can't can't afford him. Higby had that breakout season, so if they do go more twelve personnel, that means two tight ends. Cup can't be anyone out on the outside. He can't beat the bigger DBs on the outside. He only can really do his damage in the slot. So I just feel. He's just going to take a step back this year, and I see people projecting him as a top seven wide receiver, and I just don't see those numbers for him. Yeah. Who's um, your bust? I, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Van Jefferson, or Cooper Cup's my bust, because Van Jefferson, he's a slot wide receiver, very refined route runner, one of my favorite guys in the draft. But yeah, he works best in the slot. So um, if he steps in there, you're going to shift Cooper Cup to the outside, and like you said, he's not physical enough to handle those uh, DBs on the outside. And overall, I just expect this offense to not take a massive leap back because they weren't great last year, but, uh, you know, just be slightly above average, you know. And so I don't think Cooper Cup's going to have this great year, you know. And then, I mean, anyone that's listened to my stuff, read my stuff, saw my post, it's no question who my sleeper <laughs> is it's my main man, Cam Akers. I have him being the top rookie running back in um, terms of fantasy, and I also think he wins the Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think he's in line for a huge season. I look at it two ways. Number one, with how many holes that the Rams have, have they're not going to draft Cam Akers in the position they did in the second round unless he's going to be on the field immediately. Number two, his offensive line was god awful at Florida State, and he still produced. And his quarterback play was awful. So if he's able to produce with terrible stuff in college, he'll be able to produce with terrible stuff in the NFL in terms of what's in front of him. And McVay is smart enough where he's going to be able to get the ball two acres in space and the thing about the Rams running back in the McVay system is they score touchdowns. Gurley had an awful season last year, but he was still double digits in touchdowns. So if you're the lead back in that system, you're going to get in the end zone. Who's your sleeper? I agree. You've convinced me of the Acres hype. Like, I was already a fan of his. But just looking at this roster, like, I don't think Malcolm Brown's the long-term answer. I drafted Daryl Henderson, but he's much more of a 
home run threat than like a three down running back that I think Cam Akers can be for this team. So, and looking at where he's drafted, like the seventh round in some drafts, like he has potential to be a high end running back too, you know. And then with the amount of touchdowns he can score in this system, he could even be a low end running back one by the end of his year one, you know. So, Cam Akers. Yeah, I think he's in a great position to bust out this year, too. Um, So now let's jump to one of the hype teams, the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals' win total is plus 8.5. They are 7-1 to to win the West, 25-1 to to win the NFC, and 50-1 to to win the Super Bowl. Offensively, they were 16th in total offense, 24th in passing offense, and a shocking 10th in rushing offense. Defensively, 28th in total, passing 31st, and rushing 24th. What do you think about this Cardinals team? I go back and forth because there's times where I get really excited about this team where I feel like most most people are. They've been like the offseason darling between their trade with DeAndre Hopkins, year two of Kyler Murray, and Cliff Kingsbury. So at times I get really excited because I really liked what Kyler showed. He showed a a great pre-snap processor. He showed accuracy. He showed a lot of like not taking too many deep shots or leaving up 50-50 balls. He played within himself, which I really liked. And Cliff Kingsbury, I was very hesitant on that hiring, but he definitely showed a lot of good things. He made the offense uh, unpredictable, hard to guard, and... He didn't leave Kyler out to dry, which is what I thought that air raid offense was going to do. Um, and I think about how we talk about that year two jump from a quarterback. I think Kyler can really go to MVP levels. But at the same time, I look at their defense with Vance Joseph, and that defense just isn't good at all. Outside of Chandler Jones, they have no one to get to the passer. They have a terrible run defense. Their trenches are very weak offensively and defensively and then as we talked about like no good pass rushers so they're leaving our young secondary out to dry and then they got Isaiah Simmons which I love that pick but I just don't know if Joseph is going to deploy him in the correct spots for him to be successful as a rookie um well this team I go back and forth on too I really just don't know um you hit it on the head with Murray. I thought he was great. And the main thing with him is he just didn't turn the ball over, which yeah. I thought was great for him. Um, their offensive line originally was getting Marcus Gilbert back, which I thought was great for them because it, it's definitely one of the weaker um, weaker parts of the team. But it was announced yesterday he's actually opting out of the season, which I think is a huge hit, which is going to force the kid from Houston Josh Jackson to an even more prominent role of that offensive line. And their run blocking is going to be, I think, take a big step backwards this year. I think it's really going to struggle. I think for as high as Kenyon Drake is getting drafted with this offensive line, I don't want any piece of him. And I think it's going to be a real short passing game for the uh, Cardinals this year just with the loss of Gilbert and it forces everyone to kind of shift. You hit it on the head with the defense. This defense is awful, and I really have no idea how Isaiah Simmons is going to be 
thrusted into it and used properly. And with Gilbert opting out and Simmons being such a high commodity in the draft back then, I'm starting to wonder if the cards should have traded that pick. Um, I don't really agree just because I, I have so much confidence in Isaiah Simmons once he finds the right defense coordinator to be like an all-pro, pretty all-pro. I think he his ceiling is almost as high, if not higher in a way, than Chase Young. Just okay. because how versatile he is as a defender, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I just I just look at like right now, like Murray's on his rookie deal and you need to get the most out of Murray while he's on a contract friendly deal. And if he doesn't have that time to pass the ball, like you know what I mean? Like they're gonna str- this offense is gonna struggle. Um, you know, and then how is the Cliff Kingsbury offense going to adapt? You know, I personally felt when I watched the Cardinals games, I thought Murray should have ran more. I thought he would throw the ball away, which kind of shocked me. I wish he actually would have ran the ball more because if you watched him versus Josh Allen, Josh Allen, he ran the ball so much inside the 10. I really wished Murray would do that more. I mean, granted, I did own him in fantasy. But I just kind of wish that that would have happened more. And it's going to be interesting to see with no no camp, how are D, how, how is D-Hop and um, Murray going to mix? You know, because they're not going to have that time to get that rhythm down yeah. and everything. Like, how how are they going to mix in and everything? And that's going to be interesting to see. Um, my bold prediction is kind of what you kind of hit on the head a little bit earlier I think they don't use Simmons properly, and he struggles this year. Mm, I thought about writing that one, too, but mine is more of a future prediction. It's okay. the Cardinals win the West next year. Oh, okay. I like that one. I like that one. Um, my bust, I kind of hit in the head. I went with D-Hop. I just think he's just not going to have that timing with Murray, and this is going to be a short pass timing offense, and I just think it's just not going to be there. And for where he's getting drafted and the numbers he used to put up, I think, are going to be significantly lower. Well, uh, where would you rank him on, like, wide receiver rankings if you had to, well, like, fantasy-wise? I actually have Hopkins 6 on my fantasy football rankings. I have him behind Adams, Thomas, Hill, Julio, and Kenny Galladay. Okay. I mean, that's... I. And I mean, yeah. granted, like top top six is insane, but for someone like Hopkins, where he's one, two, or three, that's a significant step back for him. Yeah, uh, I will, I'm interested to see. I think he may struggle toward the beginning of the year, just as they try to figure out the timing. But I feel like he's such a generational, or well, not a generational talent, but like such an elite receiver mm-hmm. that he can. Uh, his physicality and the way he went to his routes early, I think he'll he'll be fine. But but my bust is actually going to be Kenyon Drake. Mm-hmm. There's no denying how productive he was last year towards the end of the year, and I think the Cardinals understand, unlike Miami, how to use him. But he's playing on a franchise tag right now, and he's currently being drafted in like the second round in some of the mock drafts I've been doing, which I would not feel comfortable taking Kenyon Drake that early, personally. That's a premium Uh, price on someone with a bad offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. 
And that's just something I can't do either. Um, My sleeper is... I went with Kirk as my sleeper just because I feel that that he will have the timing with Murray and will Murray will go to where he's comfortable with. Who do you have as your sleeper? I'm really excited about this sleeper. It's Eno Benjamin. He's one of those guys that in dynasty leagues I'm going to draft pretty much in every one. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about Kenyon Drake being on that, like, uh, franchise tag. I'm not sure if they're, he's like the long term answer. You know, they can find another spread uh, halfback that can catch the ball and make someone miss. And I think you know Benjamin. You know Benjamin fits that bill. You know, so I think he's a perfect scheme fit. And yes, he's behind Drake and Chase Edmonds. But I think by the end of the year, they're going to give him every opportunity to prove himself so that they can move on from Drake. And I think he fits this offense to a T. So. I like him as a late sleeper, uh, late round flyer. Stash him on your bench. Watch him build up his value over the course of the year. And then just cash him in when he starts getting that ball and rolling. That's a, that's a good call for me. That's a good pick on my friend. Um, now let's go to a team that I know you're very high on. The Seattle Seahawks. Their over-under for wins is 10. They're 2-1 to one to win the West, 10-1 to one to win the NFC, and 20-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. Offensively, they were ninth in total offense, 14th in total passing offense, 4th in rushing. Defensively, they were 22nd in total, 27th in passing, 22nd in rushing. Talk to me about your Seattle Seahawks. I mean, we already know any team led by Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll is going to be competitive. But now add on top of that the superstar potential, like say DK Metcalf takes a major jump this year. Think about how much more dangerous that offense is going to be because we know they're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball effectively. Whenever the game is put in Russell Wilson's hands, he's going to make the right decision. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I think you have two of the, or I'll just say you have the two smartest defensive players in the league. So having two quarterbacks on defense, that's going to be, that's going to make everyone else's job easier. Mm -hmm. So between Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams, the rest of the defense doesn't even have to be great, you know, like because their flaws are going to be covered up by them, you know. So he, Jamal, having Jamal Adams is going to help against any team. But think about it in this division. He's going to help cover George Kittle. He's going to help stop that Shanahan run game. He's going to help against offensive masterminds like Sean McVay or uh, Cliff Kingsbury, you know. So I think – this team, like, you can already mark them down for the playoffs. It's just how much higher they can go. And I know um, it's probably my Jamal Adams love getting in the way of some of their other flaws, but I don't know. I think he can help mask some of those flaws, you know. And I think even without the fans, without the 12th man, dra- or traveling to Seattle is still going to be a tougher ask than other road games, you know. Seattle is a very intriguing team to me. Um, everyone knows that I'm an offensive line guy. Their O-line was killed last year by injuries. Uh, the rookie, Philip Haynes, he, he'll be back this year. He's going to be healthy and, and starting, which I think is going to improve the offensive line. I'm a little worried about um, Brown and his age creeping up there, but I feel with the improved offensive line, if you're able to give Wilson even a half second more, it's just going to be 
improve the offense by by that much. Um, and then in terms of the running back, I really don't know what's going on with the running back because I just don't know who's going to be the RB1, who's healthy, who's going to get the touches. What do you think about their running back situation? Um, what what exactly is the what's the latest you've heard on Carson? See, I think because they drafted that who they draft they drafted that kid from I'm spacing on the, the Rashad Penny yeah last year yeah they drafted him and then they signed Hyde too yeah so. You're not going to use a draft pick, sign Hyde, if Carson and Penny are healthy. And you have Homer there. And you're talking about bringing Lynch back. You know, how many people do you need inside that um, running back room? I just feel that the Penny injury and the Carson injury are more just because of the actions that the front office are taking. I mean, they haven't said anything. I'm just using my actions speak louder than words motto in life. Um. So I really don't know about that. Um, and then there was an interesting thing. Wilson came out and said that he wanted to throw the ball more. And then their OC, Schottenheimer, said the same thing. Said he wanted to open up the playbook more. So I think this is going to be a little bit more of an explosive offense with the um, emphasis on the pass. And I really expect a huge breakout season from DK Metcalf. Um, I was never a DK Metcalf guy, but he start when he came into the league, he was a body catcher. Now he's a hands catcher. So he changed his technique, which has been huge. And I've totally changed my opinion on him. His receptions per game, his targets per game jumped the second half of the, the first half of the season were 5.6 all the way up to 6.9. So as the season progressed, Wilson got more comfortable with him. I think DK is in line for a huge season this year. Um, in terms of the defense, I just don't know who the pass rusher is. I think losing Clowney is really going to hurt them just because getting that pass rusher is just going to speed up everybody. I totally agree with what you're saying and Wagner and your boy Jamal, but I just don't know who's going to get to the quarterback. And I like when we did our draft preview, I really felt they should have Use that first round pick and drafted um, Gross, the kid from Penn State, just so that way they could get someone to get to the quarterback. So that's my big question about the defense is who's going to make Jimmy G, make Murray, and make uh, Garoppolo speed through their progressions. I have, I actually have them at 10 and 6. What, what, what record do you have them with? I have them at 11 and 5. Um, one thing I will say about the pass rusher is, yeah, they definitely should have taken a pass rusher or an offensive lineman. I don't know what that Jordan Brooks pick was. But um, I look at the free agency market, and I still see, like, Jadavion Clowney and uh, Everson Griffin lying around. I think they signed Everson Griffin. and Griffin comes gonna, back home? Uh, he's not going to change completely change that pass rush, but he's going to give, like, a nice veteran pass rusher that will – be relied upon you know i know if you can just get someone that just pressures the quarterback and gives the offensive line someone to think about i just really feel that's really lacking right now with them um my bold prediction and i know this is gonna sound crazy just because it's russell wilson 
But I think he has a huge year. I think he wins the MVP award, which he's never has won before. I think it's time for him to win one, which is why I have them winning the division at 11-5. and five. And then um, my bold prediction is they represent the NFC in the Super Bowl this year. Okay. Um, who is your my bust is TJ Lockett for wide receivers he's always been quote unquote the guy that is always kind of broke out but if you look at his targets decreased over the year as DK Metcalf became more part of the offense and I mean I am as 26 on my board in terms of fantasy football rankings I just think he's just going to take a step back or as DK emerges. Um, yeah, I thought about, I had like two that I thought about because I thought about Carson uh, uh, based on all the news about him and then signing Hyde. But I also thought about Lockett because of just DK. He's going to emerge as that true number one receiver this year, I feel like. So, I don't know, both of them, I'm both iffy on and not as high. So... Okay. So, Tyler, yeah. All right. Tyler, okay. All right. So you have Lockett too, and then my sleeper. I mean, I post about the him way back when I think in April when we we're in lockdown out here about how I thought DK was going to be a top top ten fantasy wideout. I have him as nine on my board right now in terms of fantasy wide receivers. I think he's going to be mm-hmm. an absolute stud this year. Yep. Um, I completely agree with you. I think DK is primed to break out. It's funny you mentioned how you were split on DK uh, coming into the league. I was one of those guys that, like, I remember he had that great combine and I was pounding on the table not to draft him in the top 10 or whatever the first round because he shot up draft boards all of a sudden. But then, like, he started falling and I was like, dang, I would love him at this, uh, where the Seahawks got him. I thought that was great. So, but I didn't expect him to come on, like, this quickly. But I'm a big believer in him this year. My sleeper is actually Will Disley. I know they signed Greg Olson, but I don't expect him to contribute too much this year. And when Disley has played, he has been productive. Um, so I think he can carve out a low-end, tight-end role You know, in a position where you, it's hard to find good value. Yeah, that's a good pickup. I mean, I, the tight end is always the... Um featured in the uh the offense the C- excuse me the Seattle CX offense. Um so now let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers. Their over under is 10 and a half and I will let everyone know I did bet the under of the 10 and a half. They are even money to win the West. Almost 5 to 1. They're 4.75 to 1 to win the NFC and 10 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. They were second in total offense, 13th in passing, second in rushing offense. Defensively, they're eighth in total, one in passing defense, 17 in rushing defense. I have the Niners at 11 and 5. What, uh, talk to me about the 49ers. I have them uh, just a game under 10 and 6. Okay. Uh, basically, I don't expect them to fall off a cliff like we've seen a lot of. Super Bowl runner-ups over the past few years. Like, this team's still going to run the ball effectively with Shanahan, um, no matter who's getting the touches, whether it's Mostert or Coleman. Um, we know that their defense is still going to be good, even with the loss of DeForest Buckner. Uh, Jimmy G is still going to provide average to above-average QB play. 
Um, I just think this is a solid team. I don't know if they'll get back to the Super Bowl, but I have a lot of confidence just in Shanahan and how that organization is run, you know, and the uh, momentum they built up last year. Um, this team to me is interesting. So first of all, they were great. They're fourth in run blocking last year. Um, but they're only 19th in pass blocking. And they lost former Chippewa great Joe Staley to retirement. But they were able to trade and add Trent Williams. Now, tr- that's one of those things when we associate names, people are going to remember Trent Williams from three or four years ago. By the time he steps on the field, it's going to be well over 500 games from the last time he played an NFL game. Um yeah. You know, I don't really don't think people like remember that. You know what I mean? If you're not playing, like, what what has he been doing? Has he been working out? Like, you know, and he's north of thirty. I mean, what what do you think of this Trent Williams? Because I think he's going to struggle personally. I think he's going to be like a replacement level starter. You know, like not the Trent Williams we know. Yeah, but he'll he'll be serviceable. You know, and I mean, I think his ceiling's Joe Staley level. I don't think he'll play above Staley. I think that's his absolute ceiling, and that's if he plays as best as he can. Um, the next thing is, will Jimmy G take that next step, and will Shanahan trust him? There was numerous times, especially during the playoffs, and even in the Super Bowl, you could tell by the play calling, Shanahan doesn't trust this guy to make the right decision. And I just really don't know how that's all going to transpire with, I can see a visible lack of trust with the play calling. Um, you know, what what will happen with that? And also, I mean, in my three-tier quarterbacks, I have Jimmy Giri as a tier two guy. I mean, some guy, he'll need help, but he can't elevate a guy all by himself. What, uh, what tier do you have Jimmy G in? One, two, or three? I have him two. I have him in... Uh, golf pretty much the same type deal like they're a decent quarterback will not elevate the team but will look really good if everything around them is set in place now do you think I'm seeing things with like this lack of trust I'm sensing between um, Shanahan and Garoppolo no I I think it's visible Uh, I don't I don't know if Jimmy G's going to take that next step I, I but that's for him to prove us wrong. Um, I just see him as uh, just a guy, or not just a guy, because to be a top 15, 16 quarterback, I think that he is, isn't just a guy. But I don't see him reaching that upper echelon of QB. Yeah. I just don't, I mean, I'll be honest, like, I just don't see it at all with him, like, where some people are predicting him to be. Um, and then, I really think Mozart is going to be the guy. My big thing is the system makes the running back. And in the Shanahan Shanahan system, that's arguably him or Kubiak, the the best system for a running back to be in. Um, Mozart, he led the Niners in rushing, rushing touchdowns, and also the whole NFL in attempts, in yards per attempt last year. And, I mean, he's my obvious sleeper I I have him in the top 10 just because I just think he's going to be huge 
this year and with the lack of trust be the guy. Um, it's a contract year for Kittle too. I think people are kind of forgetting about that and his agent made it known he wants to get paid. He he wants superstar money. So I'm really interested to see how that dynamic pays out. And then also, I really think losing Buckner is going to just make that defensive line not as good as it was before. So what is your bold prediction for these guys? Um, I had a hard time coming up with a bold prediction, but my, my bold prediction is Kittle makes more money than any tight end we've ever seen. Like, blows it out the water. Really? Which isn't... I feel like he's worth it for how good a blocker he is and how much he opens up for that run game. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. I mean, this is another team. Like, I could... In my head, I can play out a scenario with some implodes for him. With the lack of trust, with the Garoppolo, defense losing Buckner, Kittle getting frustrated because he's not getting a new contract. But... I don't have that big of balls, so I didn't do it like that. I went with the conservative 11-5. and five. Um, I just have them losing in the first round of the playoffs. I just don't think they'll they'll get to where they need to be in terms of the level that they were playing as a defensive unit last year. And also, their defensive coordinator, and I'm spacing on his name, and I should know his name. Um, uh, sorry. Yeah, this? I really think with if the defense – is anywhere near where it was last year, he's gone. Yeah. Um, I, I thought about a couple of different um, bowl predictions, but we all sort of talked about them. Like, I th- I have them losing in the first round of the playoffs. And then I also think if if this defense performs well, Salah's gone, you know. And But, I mean, I, I can play out a scenario in my head where they struggle and miss the playoffs, though, as crazy as that sounds. Um, My bust, I just went with a D. I think this defense, because of how well they performed last year, is going to be overdrafted. And I don't want a defense I have to draft too early. I'd rather take a defense later in drafts that's going to be overlooked, like we talked about the Chargers defense. Um, I think losing Buckner is just going to make the whole defensive line take a step back. And for as good as Bosa is and uh, Erickson Armstead are, I just feel that, you know, it's just not going to be the same. Yeah. Um, we're on the same same wavelength with that thought process. Like this D is still going to be very good, but I think even the casual football fan knows how good they performed last year. So um, they're going to be taken way too early in almost like every draft. And I think the, one of the reasons I'm so high on the Colts is because having an interior presence to rush the passer is so valuable that it makes everyone else's job easier. So exactly. now a lot more attention is going to be on Bosa. Yep. Um, and it's going to be harder to get to the quarterback and uh, expect those turnover numbers to come down just a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. My sleeper, I already said it, Mozart, I think he's going to get going to be the RB1 and just get the majority of the, uh, of the touches. And I know people are like, well, what about Kevin Coleman? Well, the, the two biggest games of the year were what? The Super Bowl? and the NFC Championship game. And who got the majority of the work? Mozart. And I know Coleman wasn't 100%, but with the amount of work Mozart got in those games just tells me you're not going to put that much trust in the player unless you envision him as the RB number one. 
Mm-hmm. Who's your uh, uh, sleeper? Uh, this sleeper is another one I'm really high on um, as like a deep sleeper. So Kendrick Bourne, and my thought process behind that is Emmanuel Sanders is gone, Debo Samuel's injured, and then they drafted Brandon Ayuk, who um, the Shanahan route tree and is very complex. So he has to learn the entire offense with no mini camp. So my thought process is who's their ex receiver. And it's between him and Dante Pettis. And, um, I think Kendrick Bourne's going to win that. So he by default is their X wide receiver. So he's bound to get some touches. And then I feel like in most drafts, he's not even being drafted. So stash him on your bench and just watch him actually produce in this offense, you know? So, I really like him. I'm going to take him in pretty much every draft I have as just like a late sleeper flyer. If he works out, great. If not, oh well, you know. And I mean, if you take a guy that late and he works out, you're a genius. And if not, you're just like, oh, didn't work. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, low risk, yeah. super high reward, you know. Um, and it's funny, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, the Dante Pettis was one guy I was so effing high on in fantasy. I had my chest out, like. Like this, this is the guy. This is the guy. I, I'm not gonna lie. I even forgot he was still in the league. Yeah, for exactly. As, like he's, I don't know. He hasn't shown. For as crazy as it sounds, I totally forgot he was still in the league, and it's only he's only been in the league a couple years. Um, Sterling, thanks for taking time out of your day coming on. Um, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? All right. Um. Uh... Follow me on Instagram at Silver Star Sports. That's going to be Silver Star with an underscore in between. So Silver Star underscore sports. Um, trying to get back to posting daily. Uh, once we finish all these, I'll have written everything about every team. So then I'll start posting them um, pretty here shortly. And then the NBA playoffs are coming up. So I'll post a lot about that. Uh, yeah. But thanks again for having me again. This is always a highlight of my week. Always enjoy it. Um, dude, always the highlight of my week too. Coming on, talking some sports with someone who knows what's going on, and uh, you know, seeing uh, where your head is about stuff. Thanks again. And next week, um, why don't we do the Buzz Conference, the old uh, NFC South? All right, sounds fun. All right, I will talk to you then, my friend. All right, thank you again. So some big news dropped when Sterling and I were recording that the Mac Football just announced that they were not be having. The football season. So that affects stuff more than people realize. A, it affects the local economy. Not having the visitors come in, people going out before the game, everything. People aren't grasping that. So that's a huge hit for the local economy, okay, not having football. Two. Football is the sport that brings in all the fans, that brings in all the revenue. So not having that sport is going to affect the budget more than people realize. And honestly, it could be the end to college sports as we know it. College football is the funnel that gives everything revenue. And they didn't have college football. They didn't have... Um, the NCAA tournament, all that is going to affect revenue streams. College sports could be an elitist thing 
sooner rather than people realize it. And we need to make sure we understand that. Now, don't get me wrong, these university presidents are in a awful position if heaven forbid a kid gets in and dies from it. So it's a slippery slope, but with the MAC is one of the first quote unquote big division, the biggest division so far to his acts this season. And then Brett Murphy just tweeted out from a Power 5 source, college football, they're going to follow the lead. So that's amazing to me. If we have no college football this year, how's that going to affect all the schools moving forward and the other sports? Think about it. Swimming, tennis, soccer, baseball, all those in college could be a thing in the past. So that's just something to think about. Um, Huge day in sports. All my plays are going to be posted. Horse racing is going to be posted. Everything will be posted. Um, Follow my boy Sterling. Great guy. Um, One of the few guys on here who has original contact and does some stuff. Um, So make sure you're following him at Silver Star Sports. Also, please look for the podcast I'm going to do next week with uh, Gino Bacala when we talk a little NBA. Thanks for tuning in. Stay safe. Wear your masks. Stay smart. Stay healthy. And I'll talk to you all later.